I believe God is in the house. I believe you speak to us in amazing kinds of ways for those of you that are new. Uh, the bottom line message of the bridge is that God has prepared this amazing place for you called heaven. And he's made all the provisions for you to be able to go there when the time comes. I don't know if you know this or not, but, but the, 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 the fatality right now is, is, is one per person. I don't know if you, you, you know that. That's kind of we're all going to get there one day. And he's prepared this amazing place for us if we'll simply accept what Jesus did for us on Calvary. But more than that, it can get better than that. Well, maybe not better, but more than that, he also wants to bless us here. He not only wants to bless us, but he wants us to be a blessing. So he wants to do great things in you. He wants to do great things through you for the people around you. He wants to give us a, a, the fulfilling life that he promised. And I realize I say those kinds of things, and some of you think, well, that's cool, but it sounds too good to be true. And uh, how do I know that's true? Well, the short answer is you have to believe it's true before it's true. Hello, are you out there? You actually have to believe that's true before it can be true. Here's how Jesus put it, Matthew chapter 9, verse 29, according to your, what? According to the church you go to, according to what? Your faith, let it be done to you. In other words, faith is either the conduit of God's blessings to you and through you, or it's the limiting factor to how much God can bless you and bless others through you. God is willing to do great things, but you have to believe it before it can be true. For the, again, for those of you that are new, we're, we're in a series. We're actually wrapping up a series today we've been calling Sound On, Unmuting God's Voice. And we've been just simply establishing that just like there are TV waves and radio waves and Wi-Fi signals in this room right now, God is speaking right now. The only question is, are you listening? The only question is, are you tuned in to the frequency so that you can pick up his voice? To recap a little bit, and maybe for some of you who couldn't make it, the first week we talked about the common ways in Scripture that God speaks. The second week we talked about how to position ourselves in order to hear him. Sometimes he's calling, he's just getting a busy signal. And so sometimes we get to slow down and, and position ourselves to hear. Last week we talked about it in what I think is a critical message. How do you know the idea that you're getting is actually from God or you just ate too much pizza last night? How do you know for sure uh, that this is actually God speaking to you? And today we wrap up that series with really the question, what are you going to do once you heard his voice? How do you act on what he has said to you? And I want you to understand before we get into it how critical this message is to the overall series because we all acknowledge we need to hear from God from time to time. We need direction from God. He's the one that can see the future, the end from the beginning, so we need to hear from him. But the problem is are we, if we aren't going to do what he directs us to do, why would he continue speaking to us? So there's a point at which our obedience to the voice of God determines whether we hear the voice of God. Let me put that on the positive side and put it on the screen so you can see it. You may want to take a picture of it in social media. That's fine with me. When you listen to and obey God's voice, the more you, he will speak to you. The more you listen and obey, the more he will speak. The more frequently he speaks, the more powerfully he will speak, the more abundant life he will speak. But you have to listen and obey in order for that to happen. So here's the problem. I dare say every one of us in this room have heard God say something that we should be doing or should stop doing, and we haven't started yet. Don't look at me like you don't know who I'm talking about. 
because we're afraid of what's going to happen if we do. It's difficult to have the faith to believe that it really was God's voice and that he's got our back and those great things will come from doing that. In other words, we lack the faith to get started. Now, I didn't come here this morning to beat you up. I came here to help you, and here's the good news. God loves you right where you are. He loves you too much for you to stay where you are. He wants you to grow. He wants you to get better. He wants you to get stronger. He wants the abundant life that he promised you, the fulfilling life that he promised you and promised us. But here's what he understands. Faith is not just, boom, I got faith. Faith is a, is a, is a building process. It's a process by which our faith gets stronger and stronger and stronger over the years. Is that true? Those of you who have been walking with the Lord for years, is that true? It's a building kind of process. In fact, I love Noah Webster's definition from the 1828 dictionary. He defines it this way. Faith is an entire confidence in God's character and declarations. It is a total surrender to his guidance. In other words, Pastor Jim paraphrased, faith is nothing really more than seeing God's track record. Seeing that God is in fact faithful and because he's faithful, we can be full of faith in him. So you hear him, you test it to make sure that it is in fact his voice, then you act on what you've heard and then he shows up and makes up the difference between what you're capable of and what he's called you to do and the result of that is that your faith gets stronger so that next time you hear him at an HNL, a whole nother level, which takes you to a whole new place in him. Is that, you see that cycle? And so faith is an awful lot like a muscle that if you work it properly, what happens uh, to muscles when you work them properly? Any, any gym rats in the house? That's what happens when you work a muscle properly? It gets stronger, doesn't it? What happens when you don't work a muscle at all? It atrophies. It ultimately dies. And the same thing is true with our faith. So that's what I want us to spend a few minutes on this morning, let's make sure that we understand the journey, the process by which God builds our faith. I think I mentioned he loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much for you to stay there. There is a, a predictable, clear in Scripture, repeated over and over and over again in the lives of, of biblical characters, a six-phase process that he takes us through with a goal of building our faith so that, in fact, he can speak, we will listen, we will obey, and he will speak even more and more uh, uh, frequently and powerfully. But here's what you need to know before we get into it. If, if you cut short the process I'm about to describe to you, what happens is instead of getting a stronger faith, you get a weaker faith. So just like you've got to do all seven filters we talked about last week, you've got to do all six steps, phases in this process in order to get stronger faith. Is that worth a few minutes of our time? Let's get into it. The six simple phases. I want to walk them through as quickly as I can with enough illustrations to give you windows into it, but I really want you to lean into this one. Again, this is one of these series I hope you're taking very seriously, maybe even saving the notes, taking notes, capturing them somewhere because this becomes life-defining. It certainly has been for Kim and I. Phase number one is the dream phase. Simply call it the beginning. God gives you a dream. God gives you an idea. He gives you a calling. He gives you a goal. He gives you an ambition, a, a ministry that he's called you to, whatever it is, that's where it starts. Noah uh, believed that God said, go build a boat in the middle of the desert because I'm going to send some, a flood. There was no rain, but he believed it. 
Moses dreamed of, of getting the Israelite slaves free from Egyptian bondage because God said, I want you to go and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Joshua dreamed that one day his brothers would bow down to him. In the process, he would save his family and his nation from the famine that was coming. Something happens when God plants a dream, a vision, a thought, an idea in us, and you can't get there from here. You can't even see it clearly from here, but you've got a sense that God is calling you to it. I won't ask you if you've ever been there. I hope all of you have been there. And if you haven't, then go back and revisit all of these messages and position yourself to hear from them because God's got a dream for all of you. Well, Jim, I'm on the opposite of that. Man, I hear from him all the time. In fact, I'm a big dreamer. I can dream really big stuff. How do I know that it's really from God? Well, first of all, run it through the seven filters. But here's what I know. Even if it passes all seven filters, I told you last week, there's still a faith dynamic to everything that God does. So here's what I know. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Here we go. God is able to do far more than we would ever dare to ask or even dream of infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. If it's from God, you can't get there from here. If it's from God, it's bigger than you are. If it's from God, it's going to require that he fill in the gaps between what you're capable of and what the dream has put in your heart to do. That's the whole point of the process. So phase one, you with me, of this faith-building process is you've got to believe that God has a dream for you. You've got to believe that God has a fulfilling life planned for you. There's abundant life planned for you. You've got to believe that God has a dream for you. In fact, I want you to say it with me. I'm going to say it. I want you to listen to it. I want you to ponder it. And then I want you to say it out loud. I believe God has a dream for me. Come on. I believe God has a dream for me. One more time like you meant it. I believe God has a dream for me. I believe God wants my life to be blessed and be a blessing. I believe that. And until, but until you do believe that, it'll always be at arm's length. So phase one is what? Hello, are you out there? It's the dream phase. Ready for phase two? This is going to be a long sermon, so settle in. Phase two <laughs> is the decision phase, and I call that the moment because there is a moment in which God's giving you an idea, he's giving you a vision, giving you a call, and there's a moment in which you say, I'm going to do something about this. Hear me. Dreams are worthless until somebody wakes up and does something about them. We all know dreamers who never do anything. Don't look at them. Don't throw any elbows. But we know them. Some of you are them. <laughs> That's just who we are. Uh, and so something has to happen. What I'm trying to say to you is that the decision-making phase is a faith activity. That's the moment in which you say, you know, I really do believe God said this, and I really do believe that he's going to fill in the gaps. James chapter 1, verse 6 through 8 says it this way. You must believe and not doubt. That person should not expect to receive anything from God. A double-minded man is unstable, unstable in all he does. In other words, if you become doubtful about the thing that God has placed in your heart, then that ultimately begins to affect every other area of your life. Well, I know he called me, but I'm not going to pursue it because I'm afraid to step out because. And if you do that, if you stop short of the decision phase where I'm stepping out by faith, then it starts to affect every area of your life. Life. In other words, faith is a verb. Faith is, a, is an action word. It's not a passive word. It's a do something word. But I need to make sure you understand before we move on to phase three that there's a couple of things that happen 
that make the decision phase so incredibly difficult for us. First of all, you've got to decide to invest in the dream. This dream, this vision, this idea that God's given you is going to cost you something. Can I get an amen in the room? It's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you time. It's probably going to cost you money. It may cost you your reputation with some friends that you're currently hanging out with. It may cost you your life. When Kim and I first got the call to the Philippines and and we wrestled with that for weeks and finally came to the conclusion that God, in fact, called us to go to the other side of the planet, uh, anybody think it cost us something to say yes to that? Yeah. Uh, Kim's from Wayne County, North Carolina, and other than touring with her youth youth group choir, she'd never really been outside of the Southeast United States in her life, and suddenly I'm saying, hey, let's go to the other side of the planet. Anybody think it cost her something to say bye to mom and daddy for the first time? Yeah, I'm from Bladen County. We're just country folk from eastern North Carolina that God said, hey, I got something for you on the other side of the planet. It, it costs something. In fact, we, we disposed of everything we owned. We either sold or gave away everything we owned and started over on the other side of the planet. Nine years later, we knew God was calling us back uh, to the States, and we sold or gave away everything we had there and started over again. This twice in our lives, we started completely over. Making the decision to step out is going to cost you something. And if you aren't willing to pay that price, then, then don't kid yourself to say I'm a man of faith or a woman of faith because faith always costs you something. The second thing it's going to cost you is letting go of some things. So it's going to cost you uh, time, talent, uh, effort, money, all that stuff, but it's also going to require you to let go of some things. I, I, my favorite illustration of this is a trapeze artist. How many of you have seen a trapeze artist, either on TV or in a circus or something like that? So, so, so the, the announcer comes on and he says, and now for the first time in history, uh, the great trapezini is going to do a quadruple flip with a full twist and a half. And everybody in the crowd goes, yeah. <laughs> And so the catcher is swinging, you know, he's, he's upside down, uh, hooked into his knees, ready to catch him. Uh, the great trapezini is, is out swinging back and forth, and everybody's watching them swing, and they're getting into sync, and we can't wait for him to do that quadruple flip with a twist and a half, and he swings, and he swings. But how many of you know there's a moment in time in which that trapeze artist has to let go of the trapeze that he's holding on to, or there are no quadruple flips with a twist and a half in his future. If he doesn't let go of the security of that trapeze, then all that's going to happen is he's eventually going to slow down and drop into the net below. The catcher's saying, man, I got you. I'm right here. Just go. Let's go. I got you. I won't let you fall. I won't fail you. Ah, but I don't know. I'm afraid. So letting go of support, letting go of, of all those things can be incredibly difficult. Abraham left home at 75, and when he said, God, where do you want me to go? He said, I'll tell you when you get there. Anybody think that was scary? Moses left the palace to lead a bunch of slaves into a desert. Anybody think that was scary? Joseph left the secure place of being his dad's favorite son to end up in prison. Anybody think that cost him something? Peter left the safety of a boat because Jesus invited him to come, and he swung his leg over the side of the boat to walk on water. Guys, these aren't just dreamers. These are decision makers. And that's why we're talking about them two, three, four thousand years later. This past week, we commemorated uh, one of the biggest dreamers of the 20th century, 
a dreamer who said, I have a dream that one day a man will be judged by the content of his character, not by the color of his skin. That dreamer came to a place where he knew what he was going to invest his life in. Did it cost Dr. Martin Luther King anything to dream that dream and to go after it? It ultimately cost him his life. And we got a long way to go. But whatever progress we've made since those days that he brought that dream message to our nation, we owe it to a man who was willing to say, not only do I believe I've heard from God, but I'm willing to invest in this dream. In other words, he woke up and did something about it. That's why John Ortberg, uh, the great writer, said uh, about the apostle Paul, he said, if you want to walk on water you got to get out of the boat. <laughs> That's the only way it happens. So this journey of building your faith starts with the dream phase, then it moves into the decision phase, then you immediately move into phase three that I call the delay phase or the wait. And we all love to wait. Can I get an amen? Oh, you got to know me. But we, we know that. I mean, as farmers, you put a seed in the ground, do you get a harvest right now? No, there's a time period between the planting of the seed and the reaping of the harvest. Uh, we talked about Habakkuk during the series. Let's go back to Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 3. These things I plant won't happen right away. Slowly, steadily, surely, the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. So phase one, the dream is revealed. Phase two, the decision has been made. And now phase three, it's time to wait on God. And we all hate to wait. We hate to wait in doctor's office. We hate to wait in line. We hate to wait uh, for anything. It's just we hate it. Hear me. Waiting on God is no fun, but if you stick it out, you get to graduate from the university of learning to wait, and your diploma is a stronger, deeper faith. But you've got to learn to wait. Noah waited 120 years from the time God said build a boat in the desert before it started raining. Abraham was 99 before the promised son was born. Moses spent 40 years in the desert before he went back to say, let my people go, and then spent another 40 years wandering in the desert, leading those people before he got to see the promised land. Joseph spent years in prison before his dream came true. David spent at least 10 years from the time he was anointed the next king of Israel by the prophet Samuel to the time he actually took the crown on his head. Jesus spent 30 years in a carpenter shop before he started a three-year ministry that changed the world. Why, why do we think it's going to be different for us? Why do we think that because God spoke and we've made a decision, it's going to happen right now? It, that's not the way it works. God gives you a dream, you commit, you immediately go into delay phase, and why does he do it that way? Anybody have a guess? It's because he's preparing you for being able to deal with the dream when it comes true. God put a dream in our hearts to start a church that was committed to reaching people that still believed in God, but somewhere along the way had given up on the church. And he put that dream in our hearts and, 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 and defined our lives in huge ways. And then within weeks, he began to deal with us about the Philippines. And we wound up in the Philippines. And every now and then, I'd be in the Philippine rainforest, and I would say, God, I don't get it. There are no unchurched Americans in this rainforest. What am I doing here? It took me nine years. 
to break through from some of the traditional junk that had defined my life. Learn how to preach the gospel on the bottom shelf for people who maybe had heard his name but didn't really know anything about him. It took nine years for God to prepare me and Kim to be able to be the kind of leaders who could start a church like the one he put in our hearts. It takes time, guys, for God to work in you. If it helps, delays never destroy God's purpose. Delays never destroy God's purpose. In fact, delays are part of his purpose purpose. So if you're in the delay phase of a dream, you got a dream, you committed to it, I'm going for it, and it doesn't look like it's going to happen anytime soon, then understand that delays are, are, are planned. In fact, uh, it's a mark of maturity at how well you wait. Understanding that, that delay is not denial. Well, how many of you have children? Most of you got children, right? So, so when your child comes to you and says, Daddy, can we go to the ice cream shop? And you say, later, what do they do? Ah! They just start mid Because for a child, later is never, right? Well, now, let's be honest, okay? Sometimes when we say later, what we actually mean is not today. But, you know, <laughs> and so they kind of learn that. But when God says later, what he actually means is Later. Yes, but not now. And so it is a mark of maturity to get to that place where you recognize, I heard from God, I've run it through the filters, I've got confirmation, I'm stepping out by faith, I'm making a decision, go for this. Now I'm going to go into the delay phase. There's a season in which God's going to do some stuff in us before he can do some stuff through us to bless others around us. The common uh, reaction uh, to delay phase, dare I say the immature reaction to the delay phase is doubt. We get into the lay phase, and man, well, maybe I misunderstood God. Maybe that wasn't him at all. Maybe it wasn't the voice of God. Maybe, maybe I was wrong. Now, hear me. Did I mention that you've got to go through all six phases for your faith to grow? Did I mention that? I did, but I just want to make sure you remember me saying that. So you get into the delay phase, and if you allow doubt to start slipping in, what happens to the man who doubts, James? You become unstable in all your ways, and before you know it, you start to say, well, I didn't hear from God at all, and you kick out of the process back to the pre-dream phase with a weaker faith instead of a stronger faith. So when you find yourself in the delay phase of this process, hold on to what you know is true. Remember, according to your faith will it be done to you. Strong faith is willing to wait a long time. And hear me, I know from experience, the bigger the dream, the longer the wait. Because the more preparation he has to do in you and in the heavenlies. That happens. So the only real question is how long are you willing to wait with a good attitude? I had to throw that in, didn't I? But we're only halfway through the process. You ready for phase four? Here we go. Phase four is the difficulty phase. <laughs> this, is the point, this is the point where your faith gets stretched. The faith that you currently have gets stretched. Wow, Pastor Jim, this is the most encouraging sermon you've ever brought. I am so glad I came to church today. I'm so glad I tuned into the live stream of the bridge today. Man, I get to, I get to wait and I get problems while I'm waiting. Somebody say hallelujah. Let's be honest, guys. We would love to skip phases four and five, but we don't finish the process if we do. 
So let me tell you just a couple of difficulties you can kind of expect to happen during the delay phase. So just so you won't be surprised when they come. One of them will be circumstances. Difficult circumstances will arise. Once you commit to the dream, Murphy's Law kicks in. It's not if it can go wrong, it's when it goes wrong and how bad it goes wrong. Why? Because Satan wants to shortcut the process. He wants to prevent you from being the kind of person who gets to celebrate a dream that God gave you. And so he's going to manipulate every circumstance around you that you can. Those of you that have spent any time with me at all know that if you ask me, how am I doing, what's my answer? I'm so blessed it's embarrassing. I'm so blessed it must be against the law. That has nothing to do with my circumstances. It's the understanding that I'm on a journey with God, and regardless of my circumstances, I'm still on that journey, and I believe that God's going to use everything, work everything into a pattern for good if I just love him and respond to him. You're also going to be prepared and need to be prepared for some critics, some people who say, you're crazy. What? You're going to do what? You think God told you What? When we went to Chesapeake to start Community Church, we had some friends come up from North Carolina to help us with the kind of the getting the word out the new church was getting started. And we're riding through one of the neighborhoods, and a guy said to me, Jim, you have lost your mind. You have grabbed a bulldozer by the trailer hitch. <laughs> Who do you think you are? And everything in me wanted to run because I believed every word he said. But then I said, whoa, wait a minute. I'm just in the difficulty phase of the process. And there are going to be critics in that season. Moses uh, had all kinds of critics when he was leading the children. One of the reasons they were stuck in the desert instead of an 11-day walk, it became a 38, 39-year journey. Problems all along the way. No water, no food, snakes, all kinds of problems. And people whining and complaining the whole way. There's a point at which Moses said, God, if you gave me these people to to lead, just kill me now. Just take me home. I can't do this anymore. David anointed to be the next king and then immediately went into delay phase. And and one day, in the early days of that, a spear came whizzing by his head. And it was the current king that threw it at him, which set up 10 years of running and hiding in caves. Joseph had the dream to rule a nation. His brothers would bow down to him. What happened next for him? Got sold into slavery. And even even, uh, in Potiphar's house, he gets falsely accused, wound up in prison. God was working all the while. God was positioning him all the while to be at the right place at the right time in order for the dream that he gave him to come true. But difficulties were a part of the journey. Kind of a shame Joseph didn't hear my sermon back then. It might have helped him a little bit while he was in jail. What do you think? So if you're facing difficulties or the delays are taking longer than you thought, don't bail on the dream, guys. Don't bail on the call. Don't bail on the idea. Don't bail on the impression. This is part of the process. First Peter chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. I love that God gave... Uh, Pastor Ricky, that, this passage this morning that he read, he didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know what he was going to do. But I, but I love that, that the Holy Spirit both gave us this passage. I like the way the, par, the, the Phillips paraphrases it. Here we go. At the present time, you may be temporarily harassed by all kinds of trials. This is no accident. It happens to do what? Prove your faith which is infinitely more valuable than gold. So why does God allow delays and difficulties in this faith-building process? He's building your faith. 
He's proving your faith. He's establishing your faith. Hear me, anybody can have faith in Jesus when everything's going great. The test of your faith is when circumstances aren't working the way you thought they were going to, and you don't know what to do about it. Faith is really proved in the face of trials. Now, please understand, he's not doing that for his information. He knows where you are. He's doing it for yours so that you'll know the level of your faith, so you'll know whether to press through when you find yourself in the delay and the difficulty phase of this process. All I'm saying is that when it looks like the dream can't come true because it's taking too long and this is too difficult and circumstances are not working out and critics are in your ear, what I need you to sit back and realize, this is just imagine a giant announcer saying, this is a test. This is just a test. If this was an actual emergency, I would have told you. Okay, Jim, but how about an encouraging phase? Could, you said there's six. Could we have an encouraging phase? Okay, ready for phase five? Anybody ready for phase five? Phase one is dream. Phase two is, you guys got to take notes because you didn't know there was going to be a test, did you? Come on. Phase one is dream. Phase two is decision. Phase three is delay. Phase four is difficulty. Phase five, ready for an encouraging one? Phase five is dead ends. And I call that the test phase. That's when God takes the delays and the difficulties and allows them to deteriorate, where the situation moves from difficult to absolutely impossible. Don't respond, sit real still. But any of you in dead end phase right now? Back's in a corner, you don't know where to go. Your option seems exhausted. You've tried everything you know to try. Situation looks hopeless, and everything in you says, I'm done. I just know I'm done. You're at a dead end in, in terms of your career, in terms of your, your, your marriage, in terms of your finances, in terms of getting your business off the ground. You're dead end as it comes to, to weight control. I mean, whatever it is, if that's where you are, my word to you this morning is congratulations. You're in good company. It's all part of the process. Here's how Paul described the dead-end phase in his life. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. Again, I love the Phillips paraphrase. At that time, we were completely overwhelmed. The burden was more than we could bear. In fact, we told ourselves that this was the dead end. We now believe that we had this sense of impending disaster so that we might learn to trust not in ourselves, but in God who can raise the dead. You understand what he's saying? See, this whole process is designed to help you learn to not put faith in yourself, but to put faith in God who's going to make up the difference between what you're capable of and what the dream he's given you is going to require. So your faith has to grow in him, which means it has to come to a place where there is a dead end, where it will not happen unless he shows up. Man, I wish I had an hour. I could tell you story after story after story from my life and the lives of so many people that I've known over the years that have come to those dead ends in life. And the way they dealt with those dead ends determined whether they moved through or they went back with a weakened faith. But hear me, guys. If God can raise the dead, he can raise a dying marriage. But you've got to believe it can be before it can be. If God can raise the dead, he can raise a stagnant career. He can can 
fix a damaged self-esteem or body image. He can do that, but you've got to hold on. You've got to work through the journey, the process. We serve a God who specializes in resurrections. And why does he do it that way? So that we will know it was him and not ourselves. Dead ends come, so we'll put our trust in God. I told you that Abraham was 99 before the promised son came, right? He was 90 when the angel of the Lord came and gave him the promise. And when the angel said, yeah, you're going to have a son, the Bible says Sarah laughed. So Abraham didn't believe it, but I'm pretty sure Sarah didn't believe it either. The reason I say Sarah didn't believe it, because at 90, if she actually believed she was about to get pregnant, uh, she wouldn't have laughed, she'd have cried. Come on, ladies. (laughs) Abraham said, it's not possible. I mean, you know, he's 99. He said, no way, Jose. He's looking at his 90-year-old wife and going, mm, no double, no way, Jose. It's not going to happen. Talk about dead ends, man. This just ain't going to happen. But God said, therefore it is. But you have to believe it before it's true. Jesus was crucified and buried And Peter and the other disciples said, this wasn't a dream, it was a nightmare. Let's go fishing. They were at a dead end, but it was just part of the journey. No, Peter, it was not a nightmare. It was a dream from God. You're just in the dead end phase of this process. That says to me, before you start beating Peter up about all of that, that says to me that the strongest among us is susceptible to this phase. Any one of us can be tempted at any given moment to say, is there really a God? Is this thing that I've been saying is true? Is it, is it really true? Maybe, maybe if he's there, he, he doesn't really care. Or maybe I just missed it. Maybe I just missed his voice. Maybe this dream stuff is for, for Pastor Jim and people like that. It's not for, not for me. Maybe, I mean, why did God bring me all this way just to... It ain't going to work out. I mean, come on. Every one of us is susceptible to that. And if I stood here and told you I haven't had those thoughts and ideas through almost 50 years of doing this, I'd be lying to you because I have many, 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 many times. But I know when those things come that I'm just in the dead-end phase of the process of building my faith. I've got I to wrap this. There's so much more I want to say to you about it, but, but I've got to wrap this up. The bottom line and we find ourselves in those moments where it doesn't look like it can be. It can be if God said it. You just have to believe it. And when you do, you get to phase six. Okay, can we, have a, can we have an encouraging phase now? Yeah, you're ready for one now. Phase six is the deliverance phase. I call it the miracle phase. That, that's where God does a miracle, provides a solution. That's where, 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 where the children of Israel are standing against the Red Sea and Charlton Heston raises his rod and, and the water parts. Oh, you read that part too. Uh, Noah finds dry ground. A dove comes with a twig in his mouth. That's where Joseph gets out of prison. He's the second in command of this great nation. Jesus was crucified, but he's risen from the dead. Paul, who was overwhelmed in 1 Corinthians 1.8, writes in 1 Corinthians 1.10, he has delivered us and he will deliver 
us again. The result is a strong faith brings the dream into reality because our faith muscle is stretched and strengthened, which means next time we get to dream an even bigger dream. But you can't shortcut the process, guys. You can't shortcut the process. So what's the best response to a dead end? Psalm 27, 13, and I'll hush. I'm expecting the Lord to rescue me again. So once again, I will see his goodness to me. Let's read it again. I want you to hear yourself reading these words, reading them into your own ears. I am expecting the Lord to rescue me again so that once again, I will see his goodness to me. According to your faith, let it be done to you. What are you believing God can do through you, for you, for the people around you? He's doing no more than you're expecting him to. Let's pray. Before we pray, just eyes closed for just a minute. Nobody's looking around. I just want to, I want to give you a private moment to ponder this question. Which phase are you in right now? Well, I know you may have dreams in, in an assortment of areas of your life. I mean, maybe your career, your marriage, ministries calling to you. But pick one. Which phase are you in? Well, you know, I, I've, been, I've been leaning into this whole series, and, and I really believe that I'm beginning to hear from God about an idea that he's got for me. Great. Run it through the filters. Prepare to step out. Maybe you're in the dream phase. Well, Pastor, I, you know, I, I do believe that, that God's called and he's told me there's something he wants me to do. I've been a little afraid to step out. I've been nervous to step out. I've been reluctant. I've been procrastinating. Okay, you're in the decision phase, the moment, critical moment. You either kickstart out of this and your faith gets weaker or you press in and it gets stronger. Maybe you say, well, you know, I got an idea. I got a dream from God. I made the decision to go for it, but, but it, it hasn't happened. It hasn't come true yet, man. And it seems like it's taken forever. Well, maybe you're just in delay phase. Well, yeah, I'm definitely in de delay phase, but, man, it's not just taking long. There's all kinds of problems that are, that are arising. Well, maybe you're in the difficulty phase of this thing where God is, is proving your faith to you. Help you to really understand where your faith is. Is your faith in Him and His Word, or is your faith in your current set of circumstances? It's easy to trust Him when things are going well. Maybe He's allowing difficulties to come to prove your faith is in Him. Or maybe you're here this morning going, man, it's over. I, I came here. This is last-ditch effort. I'm done. This don't work. I don't know what I'm going to do. And he brought you here to hear this white-haired preacher tell you, don't quit. Don't you quit. You're just in dead-end phase, and deliverance is just on the other side. Walked into church one Sunday morning. Service was just about to start. 
And as I'm walking down, I was just kind of placing my hand on the shoulder of people, just saying, hey, good morning, good morning. And there was one particular young man that I, that for whatever reason, I paused for just a minute and I squeezed his shoulder and said, good morning, dude, glad you're here. Went on to the front, we started the service, and after the service, he sought me out with tears in his eyes. He said, Pastor, I need you to know that when I came here this morning, I was giving God one last chance. I was ready to end it this morning. And I said, well, I'm, I'm going to go to that church I heard about and, uh, and just see. If you're there, you're going to have to do something. And when you touched my shoulder, it was like electricity ran through my body, and I knew it was God saying, I got you, son. I got you. Gave his life to Jesus that morning and began a journey. Understand that whatever phase you're in, God's got you. You just have to decide to press through. Would you pray that prayer with me before we go? Would you? Pray silently. Pray it aloud. Pray it in your own words. But let it go something like this. God, I believe you want to bless me, and you want to use me to be a blessing to others. I believe that. Sometimes it's hard to believe because of the phase that I'm in, but I believe it. I choose to believe it. You want to bless me, and you want to use me to be a blessing. So help me to understand the phase that I'm in, and help me to trust you whatever phase that is. Get me all the way to deliverance, so that with a stronger faith, I can believe you for even more blessing for me, for mine, for the world where you've planted me. In Jesus' name, keep your heads bowed. God, you know who's praying. You know the details of what's going on in their lives. Pray that you'd speak real to them. One more, one more thought before you open your eyes. Some of you are saying, Jim, that all sounds logical. That all sounds reasonable, but I ain't got a dream. I'm just discouraged right now. Well, that's actually a pre-phase to the phases. Because it is in the discouragements of our lives, it is the uncertainties of our lives that we finally begin to call out to God and say, God, do you have a dream for me? Do you have a vision for me? Do you have a future for me? And if that's where you are, would you pray a prayer with me? Jesus, forgive me for putting my faith in myself. Help me to put my faith in you. And then give me a glimpse into why you put me on this planet and what you want to do, not just for me, but through me. Just give me a glimpse. And I will go down the road of believing you for your blessings, for me and for others. In Jesus' name.